to American society being prepared for a time that was to come later when they would attack and bomb and in a coordinated effort. And they had been conditioned to commit to suicide in the cause of Islam. Well, I changed the channel. That wasn't what I wanted to hear at all. I got to the next news channel, and there was a gentleman being interviewed about viruses that were sending, they were sending to computers and, and attacks in cyberspace, and he said it was only the beginning and that there were electronic grids all over the United States, big grids for areas of the United States, that we were in one of those grids wherever we lived, and that they were extremely vulnerable to attack, and it would be relatively simple to shut down major systems and remender, render America as helpless. And, and the reporter said, well, are we prepared for such a situation as that? And he laughed. He said, no way. We don't know how to defend ourselves against that kind of attack. He said, we can't build a defense system against it because it changes every day. Hackers are always a step ahead of us. And cyber attacks are going to be the future of this world. And he said, with the computer network out of operations that the government couldn't operate, uh, that banks would close their doors, that communication would be cut off, that blackouts would occur. Oh, he painted a beautiful picture. He said, locally, going to a grocery store at a gas station, Walmart, for heaven's sakes, would close their doors because they don't know how to operate the old-fashioned cash registers and take real live money. Everything is computerized. Everywhere, everything is computerized. Well, I turned off television. <coughs> I didn't even care about the Supreme Court anymore. I remember I went into the other room, and I said, Lord, fear has grabbed me by the throat here, because it was a lot more detailed than what I'm telling to you. I listened too long. I listened too long. And uh, I, I began to tell me, okay, tell the Lord, okay, I, I knew this. You've said, fear not, for I am with you. I, I, you are my child. I love you. When you walk through the fire, when you walk, walk through the floods, I am with you, and you will not be burned. You will not drown. You know, I went over those things, and then didn't work. Got my hymn book out, started going over my favorite hymn <laughs> that always, always helps me so much. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. And I read all those verses, and then still yet, I had that depression and that fear. It had me in its clutches, and I was saying, Lord, I am so sorry. What has happened to my faith here this morning? And I was apologizing to the Lord about that. Have you ever done that? Have you been through that process? <laughs> So what happened to David? That guy had spent nights as a kid alone on Judean hill, hills, and he had killed by hand, according to his account, lions and bears, right? And we saw what he did when he faced Goliath. He wasn't scared of anything, was he? He was absolutely amazing. But now in our lesson today, suddenly David, our hero, is afraid. What happened? What happened? Well, when Saul turns on David and throws a spear at him and sends troops, David begins to run. And when you run, it's a very fearful thing. Now, what does a fearless young man who suddenly faces fear do? Where does David go? He ran to Samuel. He didn't go to Jesse. He didn't go to his daddy. 
which might be logical for him to do. No, he ran to Samuel. And Samuel took David to a wonderful place called Naath and his hometown of Ramah. And Naath, we will understand, is a place where Samuel and his prophets would meet and have a little retreat of prayer and fellowship. Could David have found any place in the world better to be? There he was with a bunch of strong believers gathering to praise and praise and talk together. And they sheltered David, and I am sure that they soothed his fears with her faith. I know that they did that. But in the very next day of questions, the very first question, Saul discovers David and Naath, and David has to run again. Now, where is he going to go this time? Why, he runs to Jonathan, of course. And why does he go to Jonathan? Because Jonathan is a brave, faith-filled man with a heart after God, and David knew where he needed to be. When fear runs to faith, faith will win. Where do you run? How do you deal with fear when it comes to you? You, of course, can run to your place of prayer and fall to your knees. That's the first thing to do, and I hope every one of you women have a place in your home that has become your place of prayer. And yes, we can pray everywhere and should all day long, but I hope you have your place where when you go there, something happens and automatically you're just with God just because that's where you meet him. But I'll tell you something else. In this day of ground-shaking events that happen practically every day, it's very good for me to be here with you, with Christ-filled women of faith, when the world around us is cray-cray. This is what we need. Why do I want to be with you? Because in this class with you, I'm among women who have been through fire. I am, I am, there are women here who have battled cancer, women who have lost their husbands, and buried their moms and their daddies, and maybe even a child. They're women who have lived through tough years and tough stuff, and yet here you are. I look at you, and you're singing and smiling and praising the Lord, and you're standing tall and strong. There's, there's a song in your heart. We may not like this voice, but here's another comfort. I'm also among women who have been in the depths of sin and who have had their lives changed by the indwelling presence of Jesus Christ. Beautiful women, women who have had their unholiness washed away by the holiness of Jesus. That's every one of us you know. You do understand that. Listen, I have counseled enough. You will not shock me by what you have done. You can only thrill me by what you have become. It's a beautiful thing that God does in us. Praise his name. A beautiful work. We have picked up the broken pieces of our lives, and we have taken them to the Lord, and he has put us back together again. And I need your testimony. I need when we go in that room and we answer some questions for some of them to get real personal, and you just tell us about your faith in God. When I was a young woman, I found out that my wonderful grandmother had had an abortion many years ago. She had 12 children, and there was a time when after one of those children, she became immediately pregnant again, and she made a decision that she was too sick and she was too weak to have that child that she was impregnated with. And in the crudeness of the way abortions were performed in the early 1900s, she had that tiny little baby destroyed. That was quite a surprise and a blow to her grandchild, to me, when I heard that. 
But Grandma lived with the knowledge of what she had done all of her life, yes. But Grandma asked God's forgiveness, and she received it. And I watched her live forgiven and faithful. And I'm telling you right now, there was joy and laughter in my grandma. God did not set her on a shelf. He did not. I remember her faith as a contented woman. She was one of my earliest teachers about the completeness of God's forgiveness. I needed to know that about Grandma. She did not live in fear of God's punishment. She lived in the faith of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. I could close my eyes, and I see her sitting at that piano singing at the top of her lungs and playing so loud it just hurts your eardrums. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and tells me I am his own. Grandma always sang loud, I'm telling you. But it was the truth. She did walk and talk with her Lord. And praise God, she did not live her life stooped over in shame. She stood tall like an exclamation point of God's great mercy. Grace conquered fear in her life. In every vibrant Christian group of women like you are here, we have women who have maybe battled addictions, maybe women who've been unfaithful or who have held jealousy or, or anger or who have battled demons of unforgiveness, having trouble to let go, pride, and a hard heart. We are a room full of women who have committed sins, either sins of the flesh or sins of the spirit, maybe both. We don't have perfect women in here who have never messed up. I stand among sinners as a sinner saved by grace. And so why am I saying these things as I'm talking about fear? Because I want us to know for sure and understand, see that Jonathan and David, our heroes, were not perfect. They, like all mankind, sinned, but hallelujah, they were covered with God's favor. They are absolute examples to us of how to handle life and how to handle fear. Run to God. Whatever happens, run back. Go again. He's always waiting. He's always there. Come again. Come to me, all you that labor, all you that are heavy laden. I'm the only place that you can really find rest. Then gather with people of faith. David, we'll see him seek out friends to keep him accountable and to build his faith when he's weak. I'm in a room full, I know this, a room full of Jonathan's and David's right here sitting in these pews. I need you because sometimes fear attacks me. Sometimes shame will take me down, and I need you to remind me of the things that you know are true, things you have experienced yourself through the grace of our wonderful Savior. We're here together to get so much of the Word of God in us that when that world talks gloom and doom like I began with this morning, we can shake it off just like Paul shook off that serpent and speak the positive word we're women who are still experiencing the transition, still going through the process of sanctification, knowing there's more to learn, isn't there? There's more to learn, and we're after it. I want to be with you. I really want to be with you. So let's agree with David, this really young man who is he's, he's hiding in this barren, dry wilderness, and he wrote these words of Psalm 63, called a psalm in the wilderness. Listen, oh God. You are my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. 
My flesh longeth for thee in this dry and thirsty land where no water is. Your unfailing love is better to me than life. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you forever with songs of joy through the night watches. I sing joy in the shadow, under the shadow of your wings. We can hang on to words like that, can't we? We can open up a psalm and know where David's been, what he's experienced, and the way he could turn to the Lord. Praise God for indwelling David. And that same indwelling is in you. And it's in me. And through the divine plan of God, we're drawn to each other just like David was to drawn to Samuel and to Jonathan. And isn't that lovely? Isn't that good? And we can say, fear, be gone. Be gone. And sometimes if I can't say it myself, you can help me. And we'll say it together. We are more than conquerors. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right.